What vessels and tanks does it take to craft a clean, crushable kombucha? Let's find out. Welcome back. Another episode of the Thrive Kombucha Podcast. Here we are again. We are here. Welcome back, Elijah. What's going on, Elijah? Uh, Brewing. Lots of brewing. Yes, yes, you have been. Brewing, baby. Uh, We kind of indicated on the last episodes that old E-Dog's taking back over. Um, Here, quick pause. We forgot to turn off the Venturi. Is that any indication of how... We're back. This week has gone so far. It's only Tuesday, but I include Thursday into this week. <laughs> I don't think you're going to let go of last Thursday. Uh, not in, not until I've gotten enough distance from it. <laughs> we got one canning session before that. I mean, since then. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was great. But anything would have been great compared to Thursday. <laughs> we need a couple in a row. We need, we need a few. Yeah. So anyways, today we're going to be talking about tanks and vessels, but yeah. uh, yeah. Lots of things have been happening. Yeah. Specifically, last Thursday. You know, it's kind of the funny thing about, I think, about social media world and all of the reels that I try to share on there of, like, kind of the process behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And they look so seamless and beautiful. Yeah. And then sometimes... Definitely looks like we know what we're doing. (laughs) Sometimes reality kicks in and... Causes a four-hour canning day to turn into a nine-hour one. Nine hours. That's when you know and just like, oh, okay. My job is to use this machine, but I have no idea how this machine works. That's not what I'm here to. <laughs> that's that's not what I'm a quote-unquote specialist in. It's true, and it wants to make sure you know it. <laughs> it let us know for sure. On Absolutely. Yeah, we. Mainly our labeler. We were having a few little issues with the canner, but it was mm-hmm. going pretty smooth. But our labeler was, it was heckling us. Yeah. You, um. Something I am impressed about all that, though, is, so what, what we did, um, just to update everyone, is we changed the location of our uh, canning setup. And um, I think we talked about it last week. Usually yeah. Trey and I would uh, set it up and tear it down um, because of our space. Completely. Yeah, and you wanted to like get into a stationary place, uh, really to save time. Ironically, uh, getting it set up, like established in its new spot, took you know like two canning days worth of time. Um, but it will not moving forward. That's the important thing. That's the important thing. Um, but the impressive, the impressive element of it was uh, the conveyor belt setup. That I did like that was super smooth, and that used to be one of the most frustrating elements. The part that I'm on, the part that you're the pre- on, the preload, the preload, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, Beca- it's locked in, baby. Yeah, especially, but it makes sense, right? Because Trey would set that up every single time. So, and it takes a lot of tweaking. It does to get that bad boy locked in. Yep. So yeah. But so yeah. it's it, yeah. I mean, that was pretty locked in. The canning itself was pretty seamless even on last Thursday. Um, but the old labeler yeah. gave us a time. But we did another canning session on Monday. Everything went smooth. And Quite it forced smooth. us, if we're going to try to look at it, the glass half full. Okay. Which, 
my my glass is actually really at that point. It is. <laughs> Although it was, I think it's half empty now though, because it was fuller earlier. <laughs> it wasn't emptier earlier. Don't even. Okay, it's a sequence issue. It's too early okay. in the week for that. All right. Usually it'd be late, but it's early in the <laughs> week, but it's late in the day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the beautiful part about sometimes when things go wrong on you, especially with equipment, is it gives you an opportunity, if you see it as such, to really intimately become knowledgeable about the ins and outs of the thing you're working with. Yeah, that's true. Because you don't really understand. When things are working perfectly, you just mainly push buttons yeah. and they work. But You don't know how. Exactly. Yeah. And when, But when things start going wrong, you have to start tracing the problem back, dissecting what's actually going on, and then learning how to actually fix it. So that was a happy... Because on Monday, we had her locked in. We I did. Mean, a few little tiny mess-ups, but... You touched it once. I did. <laughs> and everything went downhill. It went downhill. No, it's okay. Um, no, because that was something we had talked about even after that. It was because you had no familiarity with it. So getting to... Nothing. Getting to like get your hand caught in it, stuck, almost break your fingers. That was... It was a really good learning experience. You got to get real familiar, <laughs> real intimate... Uh, and, and now we can troubleshoot skin on metal contact. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It absolutely was. Well, not even just metal. Also that, uh, that, um, that textured. That was a nerve wracking moment. Yeah. I thought my finger was not a goner. There's no blades. Yeah. I just thought it was going to get thrashed. No, it did. No blades this time. It got thrashed. It got thrashed. It It got got bruised. Some, some crushing, but not it's still there. Yeah. So, okay. So, let's let's trace through some of this. You stabbed yourself in the leg. That is true. You got your hand caught in the labeler. Yes. Have you burnt yourself yet? Only mildly. Mildly burned yourself. Um, Just a you... normal amount of burn. Okay. Okay. Like your, like your regular amount. Yeah. Of burn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is not not getting burned. Just every week, kombucha brewing type of burn. Okay. So, like, would you call yourself, like, medium rare, <laughs> medium? Yeah, I'm still rare. You're still rare? Okay. <laughs> Not quite crispy. Just seared on the outside. Just seared on the outside. That's the only, that's all we want. That's it, man. <laughs> Getting back into the swing of things. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. I actually really enjoy it. I enjoy the brewing process quite a bit. It's just the uh, working out the the kinks. Yep. You know. Yep. Getting flexible again. And uh, I mean, had a few things today, which leads into what we're talking about. Yeah. Tanks and vessels. Tanks and vessels. Specifically new ones. We had, well, specifically new ones, but even before that, we had to we had to fix something when you first came in too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Which is, we might not talk that much about that one. Um. I just thought that was that was interesting because realizing, okay, something as we're uh, for us specifically working with tanks and vessels and all this uh, this kind of equipment that's not specifically designed for kombucha to notice, okay, where there are some modifications that are required and how how many yes. adjustments are needed that you don't know until you've been actually really working with it and absolutely s- start to kind of see. Let's dive into those examples. Okay. First thing this morning, walking in. So I would say our most prized possession of a tank 
would be our created acetator that is the biggest driver of our kombucha culture. Don't talk too much about about all that because we'll do another episode no, about it. That that would take five episodes. <laughs> that really would. But um that just one of the specific things that we had to modify on that, or haven't modified yet, but one day will, is we have a spray function that kind of rains kombucha down on top of the kombucha. Yep. And it's a spray ball that's usually used for CIP cleaning of tanks. Um and the holes on that are meant for water. Yep. <laughs> Not strains of yeast mm. that coagulate together. Mm-hmm. And so lots of cloggage. Yeah. Annoying cloggage will happen. Yep. And trying to get all that stuff out of there is a pain in the neck. And that actually was like, I knew that that happened. But when you showed me what, that, what the flow rate of that is. Yeah. I was just like. Okay, this I have a greater appreciation for how this is working and functioning. Yeah, because that it's powerful. Yeah, the way it's just kind of circulating through there. They say the brew pump is the number one tool of the brewery. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree. It definitely, well, definitely seems that way. Yeah. Yep. So that that's one problem with the tanks that we have when it's not specifically designed for what we do. But the thing is, like. That's that's one of the things that comes with the territory, I think, um, with doing kombucha and then pulling from all these other resources. You, you kind of, you get familiar enough to know how to figure your way around it. Um, and which is one of the reasons why you can't just give straightforward answers to some people's questions with, yeah. uh, with, their, with their breweries or what their specific scale is because they're, the... There, it's not a one-to-one like equipment and just like can't say oh go and buy this and it's like no no, no. you kind of got to piece it together you got to figure out how this works and this works and then find the right equipment that works well for you yeah. to be able to make that happen and it's a lot a lot of duct tape and macgyvering <laughs> to to make it uh to make it happen without if you want to do if you want to keep everything in house which yeah. is an idea that we have. Yeah, no, that's a good point. If you're not, if you're wanting to create from raw, just dry ingredients through the doors, whole ingredients, and then break those down into a finalized kombucha product out your door, which is what we're committed to, then there's lots, there are lots, and especially with some of our ideals of sticking to anything fermented and stainless ideals like this that that we strongly believe in and hold to that there will be some and especially when you have limited amounts of space that's another key (laughs) factor in it too when you have limited amounts of space there's and so with all those factors there's techniques like building our acetator Mm -hmm. that has highly helped us in our you know starter production so that we can keep batches flowing out the door yeah yep yep and i mean we've done that and it's been amazing but even that still i mean talking about with the uh uh with the spray ball like has uh has its limitations and uh and is something that is constantly getting developed yep uh to and uh, perfected but yeah it got clogged pretty significantly and spent uh, the first 
15 to 20 minutes of my day unclogging that bad boy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and yesterday you were uh you were helping to uh, get the uh, the uh the pellicle development out of there and that was also a task. That was more than a task. That was like you we about lost me. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to be doing this podcast solo, it's not knowing what to talk about. It's <laughs> like, well, I don't have a job anymore. It's pretty My, funny that uh, I could probably keep it running just a little bit while there's still product in there. <laughs> I can keep it running a little bit. You um, can keep the orders fulfilled. I can keep some of the orders fulfilled until I figure out all your uh, passcodes so I can actually do payroll. <laughs> um, so I could keep it running a little bit, but I don't think I could take. I could just get it going. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. One of a quick aside, and we'll get back to the vessels. One of the things we were talking about is the long list of bullet points under your job description. <laughs> yes. Yep. Not ending like a list that doesn't end with bucket holder. Uh huh. Turn this off. Water man. Yep. yep. Air guy. Yep. <laughs> I I. That's why when people ask me what I. I stopped. I stopped saying this because it was. I hated having the conversation. People are saying, "Okay, so what do you do?" I'm just like, I couldn't tell you. I <laughs> I be, I started to say I'm the catch-all, so I'm whatever I'm whatever uh, train Elijah can't or don't want to do. <laughs> I fulfill that. Um, but then I just stuck with uh, my kind of official. I'm just like, I'm yeah. operations manager, and they're like, yes. well, "What does that mean?" I'm just like, "Uh, lots of stuff. Lots of lots of stuff. I keep it. I." I keep the operations moving. Running smoothly. Moving. I just keep them moving. <laughs> Smooth, smoothly is subjective, but I keep them moving as smoothly <laughs> as I can make them. So, yeah. And you do that well. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think I'm doing an okay job. Yes, sir. All right. So we got a new, uh, we got a new piece of equipment. Yes, we sure did. Just, just in time for uh, Trey to not be able to use it. <laughs> Which he was salivating a little bit. When, yeah. When I... He he called us up at the brewery today. Yeah, it was chats. It was great about. to hear his voice. Yeah, it was, it was good to cool. hear from him. Um, we actually got uh reposted by one of our our tank suppliers, old stout stout tanks, and he was just calling to see if we had seen it yet. But anyhow, uh, we got a new um, basically a what it's marketed for is for. Very upscale homebrewing. Brewers, take notes on Elijah's use of the word, what it's marketed for. <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that, some of the stuff we use, we use it exactly as it's marketed for. But there's a lot of things. We're just like, okay, it's not, there's, it's marketed for one thing, but found a way to use it. This will probably for something work else. for this. Yeah. With its limitations, which With we found its limitations, out With its limitations, you definitely found out I today. I did, yes. But um, it's marketed as kind of like a home brewing, like beer um, brewer system, you would probably call it. And um, it's from Spike Brewing. It's the largest one that they make. And it is basically now our overly fancy tea brewer. Yes. If you want to know how we've been doing our tea before this, listen to the podcast with Trey. Uh, the last one we had with him, he mentioned it, and he talked about also why we had to change that system. So, <laughs> massively, yeah. 
Um, we've been waiting on this bad boy for about six, seven, eight weeks, maybe even. And uh, they built them to order. And so very excited to get it in. It was fun putting it all together on Saturday while I was tending to customers. Looks good. Looks nice. Yeah. Works great. Um, couple limitations. Um, we found out that usually how we've always done our tea brewing is after we brew our tea, since the water's hot, we add our sugar in immediately into yeah. the same vessel that it was heated into. Yep, to dissolve yeah. and everything like that. Less yeah. things to clean. Yeah. It's already hot, blah, blah, blah. Well, one key feature of this tank, which it's a really nice feature, is it has a bottom drain, just like most large commercial tanks do. So it has this amazing bottom drain where you can actually get everything out of the tank, which is great. Mm -hmm. The problem being with that is that as you're pouring the sugar into it to try to dissolve, I, my first couple of times I poured it in there, I poured it all in just real fast like I normally do with every other vessel that I go into. But there's a giant hole at the bottom. So instead of all the sugar being, it doesn't obviously dissolve immediately. So a large portion of that sugar went directly into that bottom porthole. And so then, me not knowing that this is a problem yet, obviously, hook up to the bottom, try to pull it through, hook it into the pump. All of a sudden, the pump's not, you know, I'm trying to move the liquid. The pump's not going. I'm wondering what the heck's going on. Undoing things, finally pull one off and just see this sugar sludge coming out of one of the hoses from the bottom port drain. I'm like, and then it all clicked like, oh, I can't mix sugar like that into this vessel. Mm. It's made for, you know, it has like a brew basket for like brewing grains that'll be caught up. All the solids would be caught up in the brew basket away from where all the, the ports are. Yeah. And so sugar goes right through that because it's too small. Yeah. And so it just went right in that hole and sludgy, syrupy sugar sludge went everywhere and coated all of it. It looked appetizing. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. It was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if you don't, if you don't know this, Sugar sludge is one of once it cools. Oh no! Is yeah. just the nightmare of all nightmares to get cleaned off. So that was a fun clean job. There's going to be more once we get done with this podcast. I'm heading back to it. But just another. Do you remember the time? Uh, it was. I think it was like it's like a month or two ago. Trey spilled the the sugar tea on the ground. Ugh. Oh, it was sticky forever. It's it was awful. A nightmare. It was awful. <laughs> Don't spill your sugar tea, people. Yeah. Yep. But um yeah, that was just one lesson in the fact like I love this new device. It works amazingly. Um has amazing whirlpooling effects. Yep. Gonna be able to get great extraction out of the tea from this time going forward. Just realizing that I'm gonna have to pivot a little bit in the way that I Infuse the tea. Do you already know? I mean, the, the sugar into that tea. Break. Do you already know how you're wanting to do that yet? Oh, I got a couple of different techniques that I'm either going to use. I'm either going to add it a little bit slower with some nice stirring. Yeah. Or I'm probably going to maybe just isolate that as just a tea brewer 
and blend with the ore, the sugar, into the actual vessels, mm-hmm. which will be incredibly easy yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and so one of those two is probably going to be the technique. I just love that. Okay, now the podcasters know, or the listeners know, we have an ore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Normal word around here. Yep. Yeah, our steel ore. Yep. For, um, for stirring our And our if you want to know what it is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a steel ore. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Take it on your kayaking trip. <laughs> Take it down the river in the canoe. Absolutely. <laughs> or just stir a batch of booch. Multi-purpose. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. <laughs> Basically. Yep. Yeah. So, very excited about the new brew kettle. Yeah. Um, But just learning the intricacy of it. First day. That's an interesting thing, too, is just... Uh, and this is something I think uh, you particularly are really good at is whenever we start, whenever we're going to implement something new to include like lots of margin into your perspective of like, okay, first round, first time we're doing it, it's going to take some time. It's going to take usually some- going to take a few more hours. It's going to take, yeah, how, how much time do you think it's going to take? All right, now multiply that by two, <laughs> maybe three. If you're make that your expectation. If you're if you're fancy, multiply it by pi. Uh, oh, yep. And uh, and yeah, let that be your expectation for how it goes. Yep. yep. Set yourself. That's a set yourself up for success. Yeah. Yep. And if you end up not needing all that time, it's a super win. Happy day. Absolutely. Yep. Today is not that day. Today hasn't been that day. No. But. Tomorrow might be. It probably will be. Yeah. <laughs> Next week's going to be awesome. And then the week It'll after that. Yep. Absolutely. Between the canning line and the new, the new vessel. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be good. It's an interesting thing. Ves- especially one of the things you don't realize when you get into the brewing world, speaking specifically to vessels, is how freaking expensive they are as yeah. you scale up. Stainless is astronomically expensive. That's why most people, as you're trying to make that next big move to scale up, there's a um, inclination to want to cut a few corners in the material that you use to hold your liquids. Um, Sounds like you're dancing around. I.e. mainly plastics. Yeah. Because obviously they're very cheap. Yep. And you can get incredibly large ones. They're made for all kinds of industries. Mm -hmm. But with something as acidic as kombucha and just all the beliefs we have tied up in that and being, you know, kind of that being a value that we have, that all everything that's fermented is held inside of stainless. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes it a little more challenging in the the scale-up phase for um for the kombucha world. Yep. Yeah. But you know, it just makes you get a little bit more crafty in the ways that you do things. Yeah. Yeah, like uh you know, just thinking about um what your uh your idea for um storing our our uh our starter liquid. Oh yeah. That's that's one that I'm that I'm excited. About. I think it's really cool because um, you can talk a little bit about what that thing is because we're gonna give that uh, that whole tank away. We're trying to sell it, 
but then get surprised by the kind of uses you can you can come up with as things develop. Yeah. Yeah, I want that is something that's going to be implemented when we get into our new space. Yeah. Because it's a extremely large vessel. Yes. <laughs> um it's an old dairy uh horizontal dairy yeah chiller. Yeah. Um double walled tank. And one thing that we found out since we craft all of our own starter in house and keep it raw and living. Um, one of the problems comes is if you have a little bit of starter that's hanging around for a little bit that, um, you know, you don't have, uh, you don't have use for at the time. And let's say it has to sit an extra little while. We realized of a, uh, phenomenon known as oxidation of the starter, which basically as the, the SCOBY runs out of fuel sources and nutrients, eventually it starts to almost kind of decay yeah. in a way. Right. And so it starts to consume itself. And so you start losing acid by the week, by the day. And so one thing that we had tested out a little while ago is how we were trying to think about how can we do this without obviously pasteurizing. Um, and we thought, huh, I wonder about refrigeration. And so we refrigerated a batch for a couple months and retested it afterwards for acid levels, and they retained. And so this big tank that we were looking to get rid of that has this ginormous chiller attached to it is going to end up being, this old dairy tank is going to end up being an amazing starter uh, store, storage tank so that we can prevent oxidization once we get it up to the level that we want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. pretty pretty cool. Dairy tanks, wine tanks, beer and cider tanks, all kinds of other crazy stuff. So, so tanks designed <laughs> from the vinegar industry. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we obviously have talking about other vessels that we have in the shop. We have normal beer uh style conical tanks, mm-hmm. unitanks yep. that we use for all cold crashing and carbonation. We don't do any filtration in-house, but we do cold crash filtrations, as they call them, mm-hmm. and basically just to where you cold shock the beverage and then all the, the heavy sediments fall out of it, which is how you're able to gain um, clarity. Yeah. Um, won't go too deep into that, but we have those unitanks. We have our... You know, our uh, vinegar industry-inspired um, acetator. Yep. Um, our dairy tank. Mini wine open top fermenters that we put to use. Be- beer home brewing. <laughs> <laughs> like, brew kettles. Pull from, from every industry. <laughs> have, your, have your knowledge of, uh, of kombucha. Have your knowledge of how to... Um, Develop it kind of at scale. Develop your knowledge of the uh, of the tanks and all the techniques of how all these other industries do things, and then find and then make connections as best you can. Yep, and just problem solve. There are one size fit all methods mm-hmm. to do this stuff, mm-hmm. and 
people that are out there selling packages and things about how to create kombucha on a commercialized scale. But the thing you have to realize with that, two things that come to mind is, one, they're going to be astronomically expensive buy-ins. Like, you're talking major money to get huge brewery setups, which means, you know, for most of us, it would mean some huge investors or yeah. things like this. Yeah. Um, so pretty unattainable for the normal Joe to kind of scale up that type of a thing. Um, but the other thing is that it's going to create kombucha like every other person that's bought into that mm. system. And so when you have certain things that you're chasing, certain flavor, complex, and starter origin, you know, like your literal starter, which is the most unique thing about your brew, and you're wanting to create and craft that, if you go with one of those standard models, you might be able to change the ingredients up a little here or there, but the tanks that you use play a huge impact on what your finalized product is going to turn out like. So, basically, if you go one of those standard packages, you're going to probably end up having kombucha that tastes pretty similar to a lot of them that are out there. That's interesting, because I thought that, you know, purely on the basis of just what kombucha is, even if you start it, even if you have the same thing that other people are, like, starting with, you the way you feed it, the, the way you go about that, even just what's in the air around it, it'll sure. develop its own kind That's of That's a profile. major wing. That's a major wing of, of how, how, it, how flavor is created, how yeah. complexity, nutrient so density is created. I, we're kind of getting off the subject a little bit, on, but since you already kind of opened up this. So what other things that are typically involved in those packages would kind of make it um, affect how... Uh, these end products are just kind of basically all the same thing. Well, what I'm saying is they'll be more similar than not is okay. what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Is that what I was trying to, without going into all the things that will depend on how your, your flavor complexity and everything comes together for your final product, speaking to the vessels that we're talking about today, okay, is that vessels can play a huge role on what you want your product to taste like mm. two examples off the top of the noggin let's say that you want incredibly strong acidic and mouth gripping type of a brew mm. well a simple thing would be is just get a long very shallow type of a vessel oh i see i see and that's going to promote that type of a flavor complex that's one example just of some of the many types mm. that you could go into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just because of like the nature of the way uh, yep. the, uh, the colony kind of develops. And or that sort of here's thing. another thing. Do you want a more kind of clean and clar almost clarified type of a brew? Or do you want something that's got a little more yeast con you know, complexity to it? Well, you could easily use things like bright oh you could use a bright tank without any sort of filtration on the front end and just put everything into there chill it carbonate it, everything and that won't give you as much clarity rather than sending it through some sort of a filter or 
like like a unitank. Mm-hmm. Since we don't use filtration, I'm not going to talk down that room. But if we just used a bright tank rather than a unitank, straight from our vessels like we do, we'd have a much more cloudy type of a experience at the end. A little more of that yeast complex gotcha. in there. Kind of like a GT's. Yeah. That would be more of the vibe. Okay. Rather than with our unitanks, it allows us to not filter, to not have to take out any of those amazing things that we want in the brew. But we still get a clarity. So that's another vessel thing that can play a big major role difference. It's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just what you want. And we like that clean crushable. We do. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if I recall correctly, like you bought these, uh, these tanks already kind of in mind the direction you were wanting to go in for the most part. Yeah. 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 And so I guess the main point of this conversation is just showing that there's a lot that goes into trying to scale up on your own, mm-hmm. a kombucha company that you're trying to craft it in your own specific, unique way. There's going to be a lot of piecing things together yeah. as you move up. Yeah. So you got to bring some ingenuity with you along the, the tank journey. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing about it is, is that you're just going to have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big, you know, that's a big that's part. What, that's what we've had to do. We just yeah. had to figure it out as we've gone along the journey. Wit and Nogsy. Yeah. And, you know, we put a lot of stock into the actual process. Yeah. Something that we try to amplify the craft. Yep. Yeah, well, like, uh, going back to kind of what we were saying, like, okay, the way we do it, uh, it's not just uh, a separation of means and ends. You know, like the the final product is uh, really important, um, and we want the process to abide by very specific values. And so, we learn kind of like how we can make that happen. So we reverse engineer it, kind of in that way. Yeah. But you need a lot. You need to develop a relatively like broad uh, breadth of knowledge to know how to actually make that occur. How many tanks did you have to learn about? to know what kind of tanks were the right ones for you to choose. How many ones did I have to buy that (laughs) I no longer needed? (laughs) Too many. Well, there was one that you thought was going to be that, and you found a new new use for it. There you go. So. That's how it usually goes. Full circle, baby. (laughs) We'll take it. Yeah. Vessels are fun. Tanks are fun. They, uh, they're what, house the beautiful liquids that we create and so we uh we appreciate them yep they do good that's all i got that i think that's great you want to wrap <laughs> this up yeah let's we'll head over to the patreon talk yep. a little more in depth on a few of these things yeah let's do it yeah um we appreciate y'all thanks for listening again uh if you want to check out any of our beverages can you tell that we're tired oh i'm not too tired really because i <laughs> i see the look in your eye <laughs> But I'm talking about so just purely on the on the basis of like the level like the lack of inflection in our voice as we're recording this. It's not as wild as normal. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all good. Uh, check out all the links in the description. It shows where um, where you can locate all of our products if you want to try some out. See if we're just full of a bunch of hooey. 
or if the the products we're spitting out are actually pretty good. Um, yeah, we're distributing regionally, so check the check the map check the map feature down in the description. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, you always can by becoming a Patreon member for the cost of one kombucha a month. You can support this podcast and get a bunch of other t- discounts on the online store, exclusive content, blah 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 on the back end. So if you want to be a part of that community, please check out that link down in the description. Uh, let's head over to the Patreon. Yep, let's talk about Cheers, John, John Wick 4. <laughs>